Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 29 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Clio. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Hey, Tom, I like to hear about lawyers trying to experiment with technology in creative and, and practical ways, especially if there are ways that we've mentioned in our book or in one of our articles or even on this podcast. We recently learned about a firm using online applications in a way we wanted to highlight. And that's what's on tap for this episode, right, Tom? That's right, Dennis. In this episode, we will discuss online applications, more specifically online office suites. Uh, in our second segment, we'll feature another installment of things Tom and Dennis have been talking about. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, uh, online applications. For years now, Google and other companies have offered online office suites. We talked about them in our book. We talk about them all the time. We use them all the time. Places where you can create documents, spreadsheets, presentations, most of them for free. Uh, these are, in our opinion, fantastic tools that I think you are slowly but surely catching on. I still am, am amazed when I speak to a group who's never heard or used Google Docs. Um, but the catalyst for us to decide to tackle this topic today was an announcement from our, our good friend Joanna Forche's Inside Legal blog that a law firm is actually embracing Google Apps for its office products for content creation. Dennis, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Joanna, uh, and I want to recommend her blog at InsideLegal.com because she has great information about what's going on in the legal tech industry. Um, but she was recently at a conference where, uh, and, and this is a good-sized firm, 70-lawyer firm in California called uh, Bradford and Barthel, um, who have really jumped into the whole uh, Cloud computing, uh, but in the, in the specific application of, of the, of the office suite of products and are looking to replace the traditional Microsoft Office approach with software on the, of software on the desktop and moving to the Google applications or Google apps. So, uh, word processing, spreadsheet, uh, presentation software, and they're going to go uh, email and even more that they have in the works that they're going to uh, go to these online Google applications. And Tom, I think we've heard about or seen people doing this in in the in the very small firm context, especially with startup firms. Um, and we've used it when we write articles and for our book and other things. But this is probably, I've, although I've heard people talk about this, this is probably as big a firm as I've ever heard actually take concrete steps into the space. I think that's right. I've I've seen a lot of stories about how a number of Cities, municipalities, large groups are moving to Gmail as their as their regular mail client. But I've not seen anyone of this size, especially in the legal space, moving to uh, moving to a, a a feature that is uh, uh, like like Google Apps. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about what they're doing is that they're looking at a phased approach. They have already started with their phase one, which is hosted exchange. So they're going to host 
they're going to have a hosted exchange for their Gmail. They're going to have an intranet from Google and Google Calendar, obviously. They will, uh, phase two will be Google Docs. And then phase three, which I think is really interesting, is document management system. I don't think that Google actually has its own document management system, but I think, and we'll talk about this in a second, um, they're getting that from an, from an integrated application from a third party Uh Dennis, have you seen online document uh, management systems that law firms have been using? No, I haven't seen it in in the sense that I think people are going to have immediately come that will immediately come to mind. But I, it what this does remind me of is I once talked to somebody who was in the extranet business who who made the argument to me that if you could find an online application, say a case management tool, uh, something like that, that was had sixty percent of what you what you thought you needed. That he felt you should jump in. Okay, obviously he's you know a, a true believer in the online apps uh, space, but that you would jump in and then over time that online application would keep evolving and you would end up with the other forty percent of the features that you thought you needed, and plus even more things that you didn't realize that you needed that they were continuing to add and improve with the product. And so my sense is probably as you if you phase out maybe a year from now we'll start to see some of that document management uh, uh, capability within the Google Apps because that will be something that 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 people need and want, and it's just a matter of evolution and and having a little bit of time go by. I mean, I wanted to touch touch again on the topic of document management when we talk about what might be potential issues with this approach, but but uh, I haven't, so I don't know that I really have an example of something in the in that document management space other than a hosted SharePoint uh, it was something that people have looked at, but. Um, so that's my sense of what's out there. Tom, maybe we want to step back and just tell people a, just in a little bit of detail about what you would expect if you, if you got onto to Google Apps and tried to use these applications. Well, let's talk first really about what the features that are available. And, I, and that may be your, your question, Dennis, that, that Google Apps, the, the basic Google Apps include uh, what you might expect from Google. Gmail, you get access to Gmail. You can customize that to your own domain so it doesn't have to be a gmail.com address. You get access to Google Calendar, Google Docs, which is uh, documents, spreadsheets, and presentations. Uh, it includes access to Google Groups, which are essentially message forums that you can use to communicate with uh, with people in your company or outside your company. Google Sites allows you to create very simple websites, or I, I imagine this is where the intranet is coming from, that you can create an intranet uh, for your company. And also video. You can have video chat. You can share videos with other people. But what I really think is the intriguing part of Google Apps are the partnerships that Google is entering into for integrated apps. So these are dozens of vendors that are offering applications that can plug into the Google Apps. And, and I think that this is where a lot of the power comes from that, that, that you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Google Docs. I'm not quite sold yet on the idea of using that as my office suite. But listen to some of these categories. You can get uh, integrated applications for accounting and finance, for scheduling, for customer management uh, software, productivity, project management, um, sales and marketing. If you need security and compliance uh, workflow, there's a ton of applications that you can go and take a look at under the Google Apps site that can plug into your uh, your page. I really think that that's what makes Google Apps really ex extends the power of the product. 
Yeah, Tom, I, I recently moved my email uh, to Google Apps uh, to for my domain email. So the DennisKennedy.com email um, address is now uh, sort of hosted and handled through Google Apps, which was part of, of so we my web host uh, re-engineered my, my site. And so one of the things we needed to do was to change the email for the domain. And, and although I will crab a little bit about the, the, the uh, instructions being a little bit out of date, it was, it just took me a couple minutes and uh, my email worked and I can pick it up on a Blackberry and, and it's great. Exactly what I, what I would hope for. And um, I'm not, so I'm in Google apps. I'm not really using any of the apps right now other than Gmail, but it's $50 a user. And I look forward to kind of extending out the things I can do. And so that um, in the, in the firm that Joanna highlighted, Tom, I, I think that cost actually was that sort of $50 a user was, was really instrumental in their decision. Well, they said, uh, I think that I read that, that that it was a factor of 10 to 1, that they were saving, their savings were a factor of 10 to 1 uh, uh, over, or maybe I should say 1 to 10, over what they'd been spending with their um, Microsoft Office and, and, and Exchange uh, setup. I, I think that, that the benefits of using that, I think cost is going to be the primary benefit because you're, you're, you're not having to, uh, to, to pay for a lot of things. You don't have any software to install. You certainly don't have any hardware to install. I mean, here the law firm is going with a hosted Exchange program, so that's how they're handling their mail through a hosted uh, uh, functionality. Um, you don't have the need to con constantly upgrade your software, so there's no licensing issues that you need to worry about. Um, obviously, the main benefit of having everything in the cloud is that is that your documents, your mail, your calendar, everything's available to you anywhere, anytime. Uh, so that's that's a big benefit. I I think that those are kind of the benefits you're seeing, at least in any way on the, in a smaller sense with your with your Gmail. Yeah, and and I think in the application space, I mean, I I think simplification is a big thing. So, um, for me, when I I sometimes the one thing that I will say about technology that sometimes I get a, a reaction from people where, that they don't like for me to say is I always say word processing is word processing to me. Okay, so Microsoft Office gives you all these features, but if I just want to get words on a page, I really don't care what word processing tool I use. I mean, it could be Notepad, it could be WordPad, it could be Google Talks, it could be Microsoft Office. I don't really care because all I'm all I'm doing is word processing. But I I think that when you go to Google Apps, you're you have a much smaller feature set than you're going to have in the you know Microsoft Office or for those still using WordPerfect, much smaller feature set, but it's going to be simpler and easier for people to use. And so what I was intrigued about this approach, this sort of firm-wide approach is I always thought that Google Docs made sense uh, in a small setting or maybe even for a segment of your lawyers or staff who really didn't have heavy needs to use the traditional office products. You're doing simple word processing. You never use spreadsheets. Uh, you never do PowerPoint slides. Um, and then the cost savings w was really kind of interesting because people didn't really have needs for full features uh, anyway. And so the step they're taking of going across the firm um, where lawyers are traditionally do produce documents, I think is really interesting because it's a bigger step, I think, than we've seen before, like you say, in the cities and government sort of space where people have tried these things because it's not so document intensive. So I think that's an intriguing part of it. So that's, to me, one of the trade-offs would be that you are having a much simpler um, 
you know, less featured uh, office software uh, uh, approach than, than you would with the, the traditional Microsoft Office approach, and especially with Office coming out in a new version this year? Well, you know, I, I think that that's I, I'm getting ready to talk about sort of what I think are the three challenges to online office suites and, and what this law firm is doing. And, and that's, for me anyway, the deal breaker, because I, I use Word too much and use its features too much to uh, to be able to completely give up on it for one of the online alternatives right now. That may change in the future, but I'm sitting right now with uh, with Word um, opened up in front of me right now, and I can just see that as a lawyer, uh, if I'm doing pleadings, if I'm doing briefs, uh, I want to be able to add a table of authorities. I want to be able to add footnotes and endnotes, uh, a table of contents. I can I can't do that at all or very well with uh, with Google Docs. Google Docs also doesn't have the strong uh, track changes features that Microsoft Word has. It does have a, a history, a revision history, so you can see what changes were made, but it is nowhere near the strength level of, uh, of what, uh, what Microsoft Word has. And so I think you're right, Dennis. I think that if across the firm you don't have a need for these you know ex extended features that word has or, or excel has or powerpoint i think you'll do just fine those happen to be sort of deal breakers for me let me go real quick to my other two challenges i, I think that document management in the cloud right now is a challenge i'd be interested to see how these document management tools work but i think that one of the nice things for for document management as a legal technology tool is that it is it allows you to capture the system metadata so that you're able to to search for it easily and to to group things by legal topic. I'll be interested to see if these new tools that they're using with Google Apps have that same type or similar type of functionality. And then the other one really is the sort of the the, the same concern about putting your information in the cloud is that there's always a potential for downtime. You know, Google is pr is promising 99.9% uptime, but you never know when you might lose access. This Over the past week, Google Calendar has been unavailable to people for at least uh, uh, several hours over uh, the course of uh, the past week. So, you never know what's going to happen. I think that it's generally right. It's 99.9% .9 uptime, but it is something that you don't have control over, and that's something that you need to think about. Yeah, and, and Tom, you know, uh, people may know that we've been using Google Docs since I, I went back and I looked. I probably about three weeks after it debuted, we first wrote an article together using Wordly, as it was then called, which was then bought by by Google. And what I noticed lately, uh, and this is sort of how I think a lot about cloud applications and, and some of these alternatives, is that they work great when you have a, a fairly small set of, of documents. And so now what we have maybe three or four years worth of documents that we've shared, articles, scripts for this podcast, that sort of thing. And when I go into Google Docs, you know, I see a list of all those things. And it's kind of hard uh, because we haven't gone to naming conventions and things like that that you need when you don't have a document management tool. So I think it's actually a little bit cumbersome already 
And I think I might have like 80, somewhere between 80 and 100 documents. And it's already a little bit unwieldy, you know, just trying to, to do that with just, you know, just a list of documents in chronological order. So there is a step as, and I think that has an impact. So volume is always going to have an impact. Um, so, so that gives me a little bit of concern. I also think that, right, you have to go into all the cloud stuff with your eyes open on security, confidentiality, all the other issues. And this firm is interesting because they have blogged about their thought process and, and what they've gone into. And what's interesting to me is they've sort of taken all the traditional questions and come out in the opposite way than that a lot of law firms uh, usually do. So they do think that security is going to be better. Um, they do like the fact that they can access data from anywhere and that it's backed up and it's in the Google system rather than in, on, you know, hosted on their own site. And so, you know, my approach to cloud computing, the question I always ask is somebody talks about security and the other issues. I always say you got to ask compared to what and the compared to what is usually what you're doing or what you're planning to do. And so, um, you may be in a much better place uh, with cloud computing, but it's a very individual decision and something people have to go into with their eyes wide open. Before we uh, we head on, I want to mention that that Google's not the only game in town. In our in our book and on our collaboration tools directory, we mention a number of other uh, word processing tools that uh, that are available for uh, for people to use. Zoho is has been in the space for a long time, longer than Google Docs has been. Um, it's never gained the the popularity of Google's, but it actually probably has more features than than Google Docs has. Uh, Thinkfree is another uh, good uh, service. To to use there are dozens of of a text editor programs that are actually maybe even better for collaboration because of the, uh, the, the they are very limited in in what they do you just post the text up there and you work on it with other people uh, I'm very interested to see what Microsoft does in this space you you can now I mean you've always been able to upload documents to your SkyDrive and work on them that way but recently uh, in conjunction with Facebook but also separately Microsoft uh, uh, debuted docs.com. It's in beta right now, so you can't use it, but it is Microsoft's foray into the Google Docs field. And from the folks who have looked at it, uh, they're going to get pretty much the same type of functionality as Google Docs, but I'm looking for them to extend that as they uh, as they improve the product. Dennis, any closing words for us? Yeah, I mean, and I would say that you do want to see what's going on with the Office 2010, because there is collaboration built into there. Um, Microsoft has a habit of changing the name of some of their stuff, so I forget exactly, you know, what what this is, whether it's part of Microsoft Live or not. But there is a way in Office 2007 that you can, you know, one of your you know, one of your save as choices is actually to go up onto onto that site and save your documents in in the cloud. Um, but I, I think the takeaway I want to say is I, this is really interesting experiment. I think it's one that really bears watching. Um, it's probably one of the bigger attempts at this I've ever seen. Um, so. Because I've seen it, I, you know, I usually think of it in a more limited way. But for people who are sort of wondering what cloud computing is and what cloud computing will look like, this is a terrific example to think about because it's very practical. It's it's a great example of what you can do, and it and it shows you where the issues are and the benefits and the savings. And fifty dollars a user is really something that should get people thinking. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our new sponsor, Clio. 
Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for our free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code KMR for a 25% discount. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Engage your brain. Keep up with the fast pace of the legal profession. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all of our great legal podcasts. They're free. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mall Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. With a quick reminder that people can always contact us with legal tech questions that we'll answer on our podcast. Now on to a new installment of things that Tom and I have been talking about. And in this case, it's literally things we have been talking about or about to talk about. Tom, you recently gave a speech on social media, and I'm getting ready to do the same uh, next week. Uh, what's new about social media that uh, that we're talking about in our presentations? You know, there are a lot of things that aren't new about social media. That's one of the sort of disappointing things, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm really disappointing may, may not be the good word for it. But but I, I notice so much when I see social media presentations, that's the same, where people are talking about, uh, um, you know, how to get involved with social media, how to do things, explaining the tools. And, and maybe there is a learning curve that people need. But I'm sort of ready for the next the next level of social media training. I was fortunate enough to give a presentation last week at the uh, ABA law practice management section meeting, we called our uh, we called our session preserving your image in 140 characters or less. And it was really tailored towards public relations and social media. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was uh, the idea of the trust agent. I, I spent a lot of my time t- talking about the book Trust Agents by Chris Brogan and Julian Smith. I recommend it very highly. Uh, it's a great overview on how to become what they call a trust agent. A trust agent is someone that you might consider a go-to person uh, for the right information in their area. Trust agents are not people that sell themselves. They just are people you go to. Uh, and that makes you trust them more because you, you trust the information they're providing. Um, I, I had a great time talking with the audience about what makes a trust agent and what are the main features of, of, of doing that. And I'll, I'll run through these real quickly. I think that trust agents, and this is all according, I'm shamelessly taking this from Chris Brogan's and 
Julian Smith's book. Um, the first thing is to make your own game. Uh, don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid to fail. Dive in and start doing stuff on social media. Um, be one of us, which means show that you're human. Participate in the online conversation. Promote others more than you promote yourself. That's a huge issue. That's a huge deal to becoming a trust agent. Uh, they describe something called the Archimedes effect, which they can explain a lot better. So I recommend looking at the book. But in other words, it means using leverage, uh, as you might expect from Archimedes, to become a trust agent. They discuss the concept of Agent Zero, which is becoming that person that people go to for particular subjects in your online community, how to engage the community so that you become that Agent Zero. Um, one step is is making sure you're a people person. Social media is, by its nature, social. Uh, that's, that's an important thing. And then finally, by hopefully doing this, you help to build an army. You help to build people who will go and talk about you and will talk about the things that you and your firm are doing. And uh, they'll also protect you if you get into in trouble. And that's reputation management is another part of public relations. So that really, in a very fast nutshell, talks about uh, what I was mentioning and what I think is sort of a new and interesting things to think about with social media. Dennis, what are you talking about to your group? Well, this is, uh, for me, it's the fourth time in the last eight months I've been talking about social media for lawyers, but to different sets of lawyers each time. And so what's coming up is uh, specifically for corporate counsel. Um, and I wanted to do something different. And, and I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I do think the back to basics approach is, is really good. So traditionally, I would say that if you go to a social media presentation these days, there's probably a 95 plus percent chance what you're going to hear is there's this brand new thing unlike anything before. It's incredibly scary. Oh, my God, it's scary. Um, there's so many new questions. There are no answers. But the only thing you can do is to do a social media policy uh, prepared by the law firm of the lawyer who's doing the presentation. So that's sort of the traditional approach. So I want to I don't think that's valuable at this point. So what I try to do is to say, let's help you understand how you might use social media and how the people around you are using it. Because there aren't 400 million people on Facebook just because they decided to all dive into the most dangerous, horrible possible place they could. There must be some benefit. So I use a lot of screenshots, try to show how I use it and how other people might use it. So my some of my examples with corporate accounts are going to be how do I identify people in, in, in the uh, – uh, the law departments of companies that I'm working with or doing deals with, and how do I get used, say, like a LinkedIn to get to the right person? And so I like to use those examples and then really go into the benefits of using social media. So I think that part of that is that trust agent concept, Tom, but I would sort of use it and build it out of how you actually might use it, uh, social media on an everyday basis. And then I always stress that there's the producer and the consumer aspects of social media, and you don't have to jump in as a producer. The social media can be really valuable to you just as a consumer. So those are some of the ideas I'm throwing around when, when I present on, on social media these days. I think these are these are all good topics for for folks to understand. Uh, it's 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 hard to stress enough that uh, the 
lawyers need to be aware of social media and need to make use of it. How much you make use of it totally depends on your practice and what you uh, what you want to gain from it. But uh, learning the types of things that Dennis and I are talking about, I think, are are good ways to uh, to immerse yourself and to and to learn more about becoming involved and engaged in online communities. Yeah, Tom, if I, just to close with one, one other thought is I don't know whether you feel this way, but this is the first time in looking at social media where I think there's so much going on out there that I actually feel overwhelmed in trying to be able to keep up with all of it. There's so much new stuff and new social media tools and combinations and hybrids of, of social media these days that I, I find it really difficult to keep up with all the events. And so if I'm having trouble keeping up with it, then I suspect the average Average, you know, just our, our average listener, the average lawyer is really going to, to feel overwhelmed. Um, but now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Well, I'd like to use and talk about a collaboration tool that I've been using uh, for some time now, and that's Dropbox. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. If I have, I, I, I have some new and interesting ways to use it. Dropbox is a very simple-to-use program. You download it onto every computer that you want, and it essentially just creates a folder on your computer that uh, when you drop a file into there, or any number of files, it automatically syncs those files up with every computer that you use. So if you're working on a document or a presentation and you working on it at home and want to get to another place and, and work on it on your laptop, it's sitting there waiting. You don't have to forward it by email or put it on a USB drive. Just put it in your Dropbox and it's easy to uh, to, to have synced up on any computer that you have. Um, Lifehacker, though, was in, uh, introducing some very interesting ways that uh, uh, that that to, to use it. You can use Dropbox to store your encrypted folders. Uh, if you're using TrueCrypt to do encryption, you can put encrypted folders in there and put a copy of TrueCrypt in that folder too, so that you can encrypt it. That'll keep a level of uh, safety if someone happens to get a hold of one of the computers that uh, that you're using Dropbox with. Uh, you can use it as a cheap network drive if you set it up on uh, on your team's computers. If everybody sets it up and logs into the same account, then uh, you can use that as a very basic uh, network drive that your team can use to share documents. Their documents are updated instantly. You can actually make your Dropbox your My Documents folder. You can go into into windows and and you can specify the folder that you want to be my documents and uh and you can make it your my documents i, I it depends on how much space you want because dropbox begins to charge depending on how much uh, space you want to use but there's no reason why you can't have access to your entire my documents folder on any computer that you want to access it and you can also store all your music there and have uh share it with friends and they can listen to it uh wherever they happen to be so some interesting new ways to use Dropbox, I'll uh, I'll post the link on the show notes. Dennis, yeah, and and earlier you mentioned in the question about on these online word processing apps, what about track changes and how to, and redlining? And so, time I remember we wrote an article several years ago uh, on useful resources for track changes. And we thought it was a great idea to do the article. And then we really struggled to find anything out there. And in some ways, I think that our struggle with finding information about that basic topic in many ways led to our to our book on collaboration, because track changes is such, such a routine way that people use to collaborate on documents. Well, a lot of a lot of lawyers are now moved to Microsoft Office 2007, and and so I just want to highlight something that that you might not be aware of in Word 2007. Um, there's a 
there's an, something called the document and ins- inspector, and it helps in one place you look at all the hidden data, help you with track changes, comments, de- determine what's going on in your, your document and this sort of metadata, um, all in one useful place. We'll put some links in the show notes, but it's just a, just a great sort of one-stop shop in Word where you can start to look at, um, you know, everything from track changes to comments to the, to the hidden metadata in documents. And so if you don't know about it, it's, it's something I definitely, uh, explore as soon as you are done listening to the podcast. Agreed. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available in our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at tkmreport. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have any questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Subscribing to this podcast is a great way to test out getting information from the cloud. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>